Shooters, welcome in to another episode of the Shooters Touch podcast where we are trying to grow the game one story at a time. If this is your first episode, welcome. We're excited you're here. If you've been with us for a while, what's up? It's good to see you again. Today's episode, we bring on Caleb Klein. Caleb is the newly appointed assistant director of basketball operations down at the University of Arkansas. He spent the last two seasons as a GA down there, and so of course we get into those Elite Eight runs the past two seasons and had a lot of fun talking about that. But we also talked about growing up in Lamar's and what life was like up in Northwest Iowa and his passion and love for sports and how that ultimately took him to South Dakota. He's got a fun little journey. We had a fun chat. Unfortunately, Adam wasn't able to jump on with us, and so it's just kind of Caleb and I going back and forth, having a good time. And so we hope you enjoy this. And as always, shoot or shoot. I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can ball like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Shooters, welcome back to another episode of the Shooters Touch Podcast. With us today is Caleb Klein. Caleb is the newly appointed Assistant Director of Operations at the University of Arkansas. Caleb, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, man. It's great to be on here. I listened to a couple of your guys' episodes, so when you guys reached out, I was pretty excited. Well, good. Um, let's talk a little bit about that promotion. That's kind of the newest thing. So been a, a GA the last two years. Um, has to feel pretty good to, uh, to, to get the promotion and become a, a full-time staffer, huh? Yeah. Uh, it's funny how that all worked out. And just at the end of the season, I was starting to browse for jobs and talk with assistant coaches. And sure enough, Coach Mustelman brought me back in and offered me the job right on the spot. So you had to be, uh, so, so did you ha- have any idea that maybe that was coming or are you not trying to put all your eggs in that basket? Are going to be like, well, I got to see what's out there. If this works, I, I don't want to go anywhere, but uh, how'd that kind of come together? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. So I talked to him a little bit about it and I've talked with the other assistant coaches and let them know like, Hey, I love it here. I love learning this system and learning from coach Moss and all you guys. So if you could kind of be in coach Musselman's ears and just put that in his ears and let him see what happens. But yeah, I didn't want to be all set and be like, I'm all in at Arkansas. I had to feel out what's going out there because sometimes you got to learn from other coaches and just money wise too. You got to see what's out there. So. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of skip ahead here a little bit, talk future, but uh, so continuing to stay in the game. I mean, wanting to learn, you talked about getting experience. I mean, is, is the goal of this to continue to work up and try to get some head experience at some point at some level? Yeah. So my ultimate goal, whatever this path takes me, I'm willing to do whatever. So I really want to be a head coach, uh, preferably at division one and even in a power five conference. So 
Uh, I don't know how long that's going to take, but that's my end goal is to be a division one head coach. Well, you got to, got to know where you want to go. That's all where it's got to start and then work, work backwards. So that's awesome. Uh, I love that goal. Um, with that, then let's, uh, let's, let's work back. Let's, we, we always kind of like to turn the hands way back on the shooter's touch. And so going all the way back to the, to Lamar's, um, is where, is that where you born and raised in Lamar's born and raised Lamar's, Iowa. I lived in the same house for 23 years. Love it. So, yeah. So Lamar's then, uh, blue bunny. What, uh, what's your favorite ice cream? <laughs> Uh, I would have to say bunny tracks. That was always my favorite. I actually worked in the production plant my first year out of, after my freshman year of college, I worked in the production plant. My shift started at three in the morning and I got done at two 30 in the afternoon. It was the worst summer of my life. Oh man. Yeah, that is rough. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, I'll tell you what, man, summer jobs. <laughs> sometimes you just got to do whatever, whatever you can. It was like- brutal the window is small to, to try to make as much money before you got to go back to school. And so you do whatever yeah. you can, but no, you made a lot of money doing that, but it was brutal. Yeah. I bet. Jeez. All right. So Lamar's growing up, what was the neighborhood like? What, um, uh, any siblings, what, uh, what, what did sports ultimately and, you know, basketball play, play in your life growing up? Literally every day I was either playing baseball, basketball, football, golf, wiffle ball, tennis, you name it, like my block was playing it. We had five guys my age that grew up on our block. So every day after school, we'd always go shoot hoops at someone's house. We'd go play football. I had one older brother and all of his friends, and he had like three friends that lived on the block. So our block was filled with guys literally just playing any sport, whatever we wanted to do that day. That uh, sounds eerily familiar to the the way that uh, I grew up. And I think a lot of small town Iowa kids. Oh, yeah. uh, Grew up. uh, So I was just actually talking with my daughter about this the other day. But did you guys ever did you ever get into the roller hockey? Did you guys ever get the roller? No, we never did. No, didn't. See, that was one thing we had. We had a church nearby with a big parking lot. And we got. Yeah. There was probably a good like three months where it was like you said, you kind of picked, you rotated through the sports and it was everyone yeah. meet at the church parking lot. Let's play roller hockey. And none of us, I mean, Iowa kids, we didn't knew, we knew nothing about hockey, but it was fun. So <laughs> I know we never got into that. It was mainly wiffle ball and basketball. That was our sports. And then like dunk ball too. Did you guys have a hoop that yep. you could lower? Oh yeah. Yeah. We lowered it all the way down. We played like eight feet. And I mean, I was the tallest by a lot. So it was pretty easy for me and pretty fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Everybody, uh, you learn a lot about finishing around the rim on a on an eight foot hoop. That's oh for sure. yeah, for sure. <laughs> but um, so then you get into high school. Um, what sports did you play once you got up to the varsity level? Uh, so baseball, actually, I started playing varsity first. I played varsity. I started as a pitcher my sophomore year. I started playing varsity baseball. And we were, we, well, that was the whole debacle that year. We beat Keelan, but then it came back that we used the illegal pitcher because mm. he didn't, I don't know if you ever heard about that. You might have to look that up. So we played Healand. They were the number one team in the state. We beat them about, we celebrated, took pictures with the qualifier flag and everything. Like 45 minutes later, head coach comes back and tells us like, hey, we had to forfeit he didn't have enough rest in between starts. So he couldn't come in. So we had to forfeit to healing and didn't get to go to state my sophomore year. Oh man. Uh, yeah, that was, 
crazy. One of the most insane experiences that I've ever been a part of. Uh, but then golf, I played four years of varsity for golf and then didn't really play my sophomore year for varsity. I was mainly on JV, but suited up for varsity for basketball and then started two years, my junior and senior year for basketball. Good deal. And then your senior, it would have been your senior year. Um, you guys, that was the runner up season, correct? Um, yeah. What lost to uh, to Wallert, right? If I remember. Dubuque Wallert, yeah. Cordell Pemsel, Riley Till. Yeah, well, those guys, they were good. Those guys, those guys were, that was a good, uh, good little squad and a good, a good run that you guys put on. Um, I feel like you came a little bit out of nowhere, right? Cause the year, year before it was, I mean, you got an all right year, 15, 16 wins or something. And then yeah. didn't, didn't you guys you kind of catch, catch fire. And I mean, obviously your neck of the state as well, that would have been, um, uh, crying, what? Kreiner was in our conference. Yep. Yeah, Ryan Kreiner was in our conference. I mean, that, and then you had whole Western. So we were in the Lakes Conference. Yeah. So you had whole Western. I think we were their only regular season loss. We swept them that our senior year. Wow. And they were like the number one team in the state. And yeah. then we lost to Kreiner once, but then beat them twice. And then Spencer was good that year. Sergeant Paul, oh, there was one more team. MOC, uh, oh, they had no. Jansen, Levi Jansen, and they were good squad too up there. So there were some many good teams up there. Well, yeah, and you guys, I mean, you obviously mentioned Hall. They would have been, they would have been two A though, right? So they would have been a class below yep. you. But uh, yep. I mean, that corner of the state, uh, you know, traditionally, and then as you've moved closer to Heal and Sioux City and some of those, I mean, you're 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 starting to, you got some really good basketball up in that corner. Some great basketball. Uh, let's see, we played. Sioux City North and East and North had Dan Tillo and Rob Newstrom. Uh, so they were Xavier Scarlet. They were a good squad. And then East had Andre Fuller and uh, Connor Merle, who's now a GA at Iowa State. He oh, was, really? Yeah, he was at Sergeant Bluff for three years and transferred to East for his last year and played for Sioux City East. Okay. Good. Yeah, no. And so that year, so your senior year, then you guys go down. Um, I actually just pulled it up here. I forgot that I had it. Um, beat, beat Dallas Center Grimes uh, in yep. the first round and then had Williamsburg and beat them in overtime. You remember that game? Double overtime. Yeah. So that they were the number one team. They were the number one seed that year. That's right. And then Waller beat Xavier for you guys to match up in the championship. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it looks like it, uh, Looks like they got you by eight. What do you what do you remember about that championship game and and ultimately like the we talk about a lot on the pod, but you know we, we go and we play basketball and play at a lot of levels, but there's something about those high school boys and the kids that you grow up with, and it sounds like obviously your your block and your neighborhood of the kids kind of playing dunk ball from a from an early age coming home. I'm sure third fourth grade to get an opportunity to play your ultimate goal, playing that championship game, come up short uh what do you just remember kind of about the feelings and the emotions with all that i was so mad because we I, if you look it up i bet we were 0 for 11 from three oh, and nice. we were so bad from three our assistant coaches that i still talk to my head coach i talk to him all the time and i they give us so much crap me and my buddies that we could not make a shot and say well if you guys just make a shot we have a state championship because i'm pretty sure that game was 38 to 46 Yep. It was the lowest scoring game. It might have been 19 to 13 at halftime. It was terrible. 
like <clears throat> everyone wanted to match up between Tyler Borchers and Cordell Penzel in the paint, but both of them got in foul trouble the whole entire time. So there was a bunch of guards out there that could not make a shot. But I mean, the emotions were Lamar showed up very well for that. That's something that we talk about a lot. Me and my friends, there were so many people from Lamar's and cause that was the first time Lamar's has made it to the state championship. I think since like 1946, it was something insane stat. It might be 64. I can't remember. It was something insane stat. So it was really cool and fun experience that I still remember. Yeah. That's something you'll uh, definitely carry with you for a lifetime and be able to remember and, and talk. Like I said, you guys kind of came out of nowhere too. So I had to have had to feel pretty good to, to be able to kind of go on that run. Um, but uh, so then take me in the locker room afterwards, everything's kind of said and done. You know, it's the last time you guys are all playing together. Um, what do you kind of remember about that experience? Was it something that uh, I feel like you probably can think back now um, and think a little bit differently. I know at the time, everyone's probably a little pissed off and still, well, I'm going to be playing in college or whatever it is. But uh, what do you kind of remember about the locker room afterwards? Uh, it was dead quiet. Uh, Coach when he gave us some words and the assistant coaches and then he thanked us seniors. And then, I mean, I was so close with three of the seniors, Tyler Borchers, Tyler Paulson, Mitchell Sitzman. I'd still talk to him literally every single day, probably you could go through a text. So there's a hundred text messages between all of us. And I remember the four of us just getting up and like, we just hug each other because we played together since it was third grade when we started travel basketball, the four of us. And yeah, it was kind of emotional. And then we had to go say hi to all, all of our family and friends and no one wanted to go out there. They just wanted to go to the hotel and get home, but you had to do it. Yeah, that's always that's always the hardest part. But uh, yeah, you, you have to do it. And um, so so take me you, you mentioned a little bit about the four of you guys kind of growing up and playing. Obviously, times are a little bit different now with club basketball and it might have looked, you know, very different. Um, you know, even for you guys had had, you know, fast forward five, even five or six years. Um, but what did you guys do as far as did you play just with the local guys and local tournament teams or what, what did you guys do for club basketball or summer basketball? Uh, so since everyone, my grade that played sports, we were all played every single sport. So like we only played basketball growing up. We started a travel team in third grade and it was just, just local guys that went to our school. That was pretty much my dad was the coach and we put eight of my friends together that wanted to play and started that travel team. And I'm pretty sure six of them or five of them were still on the team by their, our senior year of high school. So it was like a close group. It was awesome. And we would just go to local tournaments. We went to the tri-state tournament in Sioux Falls. That was like our big end of the year tournament in March. And that was really good competition, but mainly it was just going to the J gym that was in Galen, but, a tournament in Sioux City, a tournament in MOC, just local tournaments on weekends. And then that was about it. For summer, we only did about four school tournaments and we just played with the school and that was it. So, because yeah. all of us played baseball. Yeah. Uh, it sounds very similar to Algona. I mean, in, in what that we did, um, you know, years before that. Um, yeah. You know, as far as, as far as you go and you play some team camps in the summer, uh, you know, you did the local 
booster club outings in the winter and yep. fifth, sixth, seventh grade, whatever it was. And yep. obviously school ball and all that. And so, no, that's, uh, that's interesting because obviously today and these kids and club basketball and what they're traveling and driving two hours, uh, for practice. And it's just, it's wild. And so that is crazy it's always fun to get, uh, to get the different stories at the different levels, um, and how things work. And so then, um, so graduation happens. What's, what's the thought? What are you, where are you, do you know where you want to go to school? Like, what is the, what is the picking out of school and recruitment and all that stuff kind of look like for you? So I didn't know if I wanted to play basketball. I mean, I had Morningside and Northwestern, the both NAI schools on the West side of the state in Sioux city, North city. I had a couple offers from them to come play, but didn't know if I just wanted to go be a student at Northern Iowa or the University of Iowa. That's what I was looking at. And then finally, uh, my assistant coach, uh, Benji Kazel, he told me, hey, if you don't go play basketball, you might never get a shot to play basketball again. And then that made me think like, all right, like, why not go try it out for a year? If I don't like it, transfer. And that's what I ended up doing is going to Northwestern. I think I committed on my birthday out in June. So I waited all the way till June and finally committed to Northwestern and went there for a year. So went to Northwestern for a year, um, played, played over there in Orange City, and then what? So then what, how did that experience go and what did you ultimately decide from there? Uh, I love, like, the culture and of coach Corver and I love the program, but I just decided it wasn't a fit for me. I really wasn't liking everything else about the campus. I felt it was too small. That was really the only thing. I mean, it was a college of 1200 kids or something like that. So yeah. a super tiny school. So I was like, let's just go be a student at South Dakota. So transferred to South Dakota and was just a regular student for a couple of years. So it's just a student for a couple of years. When um, I, I know that changes because I know then you eventually <laughs> find your way uh, on the roster. And so, so what happened? What changed? Is, was there all of a sudden, like, were you doing the intramural thing and kind of keeping up with the game? And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, geez, let's see what this is. Or, or how did that come about? So I would play intramurals with all my friends, but I would, I mean, I wouldn't take it serious. I would just have a good time. Uh, but then I started hanging out with a lot of the basketball players because they would invite me to do some open gyms and stuff like that. Cause they needed a guy cause the guy's got a class or something and they knew I could play and I knew one or two guys on the team. So I would go over there playing an open gym or two. And then finally my second to last year, my junior year, uh, I played in a few more open gyms and then a couple of the assistants were there. And then I was like, Okay, so then I went to the women's program. I was like, hey, I kind of want to like start helping out in the office. I kind of want to get back into this game. So I went to the women's coach, went to their practices, two practices I went to. And like, then they had me on scout team for one day. And then two days later, I went and visited my friend in Iowa City. I wake up Friday morning from a call from the head coach at South Dakota, Todd Lee, and who's now coaching here at Arkansas with me. But uh, he gave me a call. He's like, Hey, for great things about you. I've watched you play a couple of times. Do you want to come like be on our roster? Can you be here? I was molded over with my dad. I was like, why not? Let's see what happens. So sure enough, joined their team and started playing a little bit. 
That's exciting the way that that kind of all uh, came together. So, um, so then you spent one season or how did, how many, cause then it was just your final, cause that was your junior year. So then you spent your senior yeah. year. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so how'd that go? What'd you learn? What was, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from having an opportunity to, uh, you know, be on the roster there? Uh, the pace of play and just the speed of the game is, was so much different, even from Northwestern. I mean, I was out of the game for a couple of years, but just the pace of play and the size of the guys, I mean, it's still a, I mean, low division one school South Dakota is, but I mean, they were some athletes and they were some good guys and on great teams and you go look at their stats and they produce. So that was the biggest thing. I was like, I got to find a way to keep up with these guys. Like I've been, I haven't played competitive basketball in two years. So that first practice, it was, it was brutal. I'm not going to lie. Well, that, and that was going to be my next question. Like what was practice like? Cause I, I think that the probably the biggest misconception when you start to look um, at going from high school, like if you were able to play and hold your own in high school and then go to whatever level it is at college, it's like, yeah, you can go watch a game and, think you might be able to hang for a minute but it's like go to five practices and then see where you're at after that and so what was, what was practice like for you especially after having you know two years I mean there's a big jump from intramurals <laughs> to uh trying yeah. to trying to play D1 so I mean yeah a month ago I was playing co-ed basketball like intramural co-ed basketball so <laughs> but literally just the size of the guys and you're driving into the lane and you got to find a way to go up and finish and you're getting hit you go in the lane, you're going to get hit regardless. So it was just something crazy. I started to learn not to drive so much and just become a catch and shoot three guy. But it, yeah, it was fun. That, uh, that's what the old man ball is now too. It's just catch and shoot, man. <laughs> no more going in exactly. the lane. You got to adapt. <laughs> no. It's um, not worth it. <laughs> no, I got, I got to go to work tomorrow. This isn't, it's not worth that. So, um, <laughs> When did the, so when did the coaching bug kind of start to hit you? You mentioned that you wanted to get back in, uh, just involved in the game in whatever way you could with the women's side, but then uh, obviously you start playing. Is it something, I always think that, you know, a lot of players I think think this way, but when you have an opportunity to kind of obviously be a player and take that in, but also start to observe the coaches and kind of pick up on the little nuggets um, as a player, uh, it just kind of accelerates the career. And so was that something that, you know, you're like, yeah, you know, I want to play. I want to see what this is like, but I also want to kind of start learning more about the coaching side of things or how did that come together for you? Uh, yeah. So my dad was a coach for Lamar's. Uh, and then he was my brother's basketball team coach. And then he was my coach. I mean, so I was just around my dad a lot and he was a coach. Uh, and then I became great friends with my high school coaches. And then, then I got after, after I was out of the game for two years, like, well, maybe I can't play anymore. So that's why I went to the women's staff and said, hey, can I help out in the office and start learning how the scouting reports and how you guys dive into the analytics and all that stuff. So then after that year of playing basketball for South Dakota, uh, I had the end of the year meeting with my head coach and the assistants. And then they said, I mean, what are you wanting to get out of this? And I was like, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to go play professional overseas. Uh, there's no way. And then they're like, I mean, do you want to coach? And then I was like, I've always been, I want to coach. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to do. So then they brought this idea that become a student assistant and still like be at practice. Now you're in the office working. 
helping them with scouting reports and stuff like that and being around the coaching staff. And I took that and I was like, this is awesome. That is, that's, uh, so what was your degree? What were you studying in school though? Uh, so I was an education major until I started playing basketball. Then I switched my majors to kinesiology and sport management. My mom was pissed at me for like a month. She's like, you're doing the wrong thing, wrong occupation. You're never going to make it. Uh, I always give her a hard time about that now. But so then I graduated with a kinesiology and sport management degree and a coaching minor. So why, what was the biggest reason for the switch, though, from education? You like, I, like, I know I don't want to do education or trying to figure out student teaching is going to be a pain in the butt or what was it? Student, student teaching. Uh, at South Dakota, you have to student teach for a full year. Okay. I was like, I can't do that. I mean, if I want to be around in the office helping with basketball and stuff like that, I can't do that. So luckily, I was able to do an internship uh, pretty much my entire last year with the basketball staff. Perfect. So literally every day I just went to the office and was yeah. around them all day. Yeah, that that uh, that works out really well. So then what? So what yeah, are we talking? So what year are we? What? So then um, graduation comes up. What year did you graduate? 2020, May of 2020, right when COVID came out. Oh, so, t- so yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that. So May of 2020. Um, yeah. So what was that like? What was the whole like shutdown experience and everything for you guys? So we got done with our season. We played our first game in the summer league tournament. We lost uh, to North Dakota. And then a week later, this is when COVID started coming out. So we were going to play in the CBI tournament that year. And then we were thinking about going to practice. And then uh, so our coach gave us a call. We had an end of the year meeting and he said, we're done. We're not going to play in the CBI. And we have this COVID coming up and no one had any idea and he's like, just watch TV, wash your hands, like stay away from people at all costs, like don't go anywhere. So we had no idea what was going to happen. So South Dakota canceled classes for a week. Then they canceled classes. All these tournaments are getting canceled. The NCAA tournament gets canceled. NBA season canceled. Everything's just getting canceled at this point. So then I'm sitting with three of my teammates in our house. And literally we wake up and watch TV but there'd be nothing to watch. So you just have to watch Netflix because there's no live sporting events going on. And we'd go outside, we'd throw the football around. We went to a park, we shot hoops there, but then they ended up putting like a board. They like nailed a board onto the hoop and then they tied everything down. So you couldn't like shoot hoops. You couldn't do anything. It was crazy. So we were just sitting in this house uh and then at the end of may we all moved out we moved back home because we graduated and so i went to lamar's and i was in lamar's that entire summer just golfing or what (laughs) literally i golfed every single day my parents stay at the lake of the ozarks because they're both my dad's a principal my mom's a teacher so they get to spend like their entire summers down there and so i just went and golfed every single day by myself because my other friends they had like jobs but they could work from remote. So they actually still had to work. So I just went and golfed every day by myself. Nothing wrong with that. That uh, no. <laughs> that, sound, that sounds a lot like uh, the summer after my senior year and I didn't even have COVID to blame for that. So I just went home and golfed the whole summer. <laughs> so then uh, you graduate from South Dakota, you get an opportunity to go home, lower your handicap a little bit for a summer. What's, what's next? Uh, do, you have a, do you have a plan or, or how do things kind of come together for, for the next step? 
Uh, so I was reaching out to pretty much anybody and everyone looking for a job for a grad assistant position. Uh, but no one knew with COVID if they were even going to have the spot. So I knew how many universities and colleges were just canceling that GA position so they could save money because everyone said they're going to lose money. Everyone's telling me there's not going to be a season next year. No one has any idea what's going to go on with COVID. Uh, luckily, I was then finally got a call from Mike Bellato down at Arkansas State. And he was saying like, hey, if I'm still interested in being a GA, we have it all done. Like you can be a full-time GA. We'll pay you a stipend. We'll take care of your tuition and everything. And I was like, yeah, I mean, let me talk it over with my family, but that should be good. And then I'm like, just give me a couple days. And he's like, yeah, sure. No hurry. There's one other candidate, but we want you. I was like, all right. So then the very next day, I get this random, I'm down at the Lake of the Ozarks now visiting my mom and dad. I take the boat out. I'm in this cove. And I get this phone call from a number in California. I'm like, I have no idea anybody in California except for my aunt, but I have her phone number. So I get back to her condo and I listen to this voicemail and it was Coach Musselman. And he was like, hey, we heard great things about you. Uh, we're looking for one more GA. So if this like, interest you like please give me a call back I called him back so fast and said yeah I'm interested what what steps do I need to take he said okay we're gonna get you on a zoom call here in next week or so so then I told Mike Bellato at Arkansas State like hey and I got like something else working out for me can I have like a week to discuss and weigh the options he said sure so then that kind of just all fell in place and after about a week week and a half accepted the job down at Arkansas. Wow, that's uh, that's quite the exciting couple of days there to go kind of from probably nervous energy, wondering what's this, what am I going to do? Like every, nobody really yeah. knows. And then all of a sudden two, two good offers on the table for you. Yeah. Uh, during that time when I had nothing going on, that's when my mom was really hard on me saying you should never switch your majors because yeah. you messed up. So that was a long couple, well, months for that summer. Yeah, I bet. So, uh, so then you obviously accept the GA position there at Arkansas. Um, so then what? Uh, I know there's still got to be a little bit of a waiting period, or is it was it something that they were like, yeah, let's get you down to campus and get you going. We'll figure out what our schedule, if we have a schedule, looks like, or um, what, how did that transition happen? Uh, pretty much after I told Coach Moss I'd take the job, he said, perfect, I'll call you in a couple of days and let you know when you need to be down here. Someone else will. I was like, all right, sounds good. So then literally like two days, actually, yeah, let me get to this part. Like an hour later, Coach Musk calls me. He's like, hey, can you be down here two and three days? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we're going to start practice for next year. And I was like, all right. So I packed up a bag, drove my car down to Arkansas, and – literally stayed on a couch of a random dudes down here for like the first week. Cause I had never been to Fayetteville, Arkansas. So I stayed on this guy's couch for like a week, week and a half. Wow. So I, I hope you, <laughs> I hope you just went from the Ozarks and it didn't go all the way back to Lamar's. Did you just keep I had, going south? <laughs> no, I had to go back up to Lamar. Like I only packed a bag for that trip for like three days. So I had to go back to Lamar's stuff, my car with anything and everything. And, 
drive back down to Arkansas. Wow. So then you spend, uh, spend a couple of weeks uh, on the couch and then what? Do you kind of kind of start to figure things out and uh, kind of get your bearings a little bit? Yeah, uh, I would. He was pretty good about that part. The whole staff was. And I just said, I got to go find a place like so then I would go apartment shopping and look around and see what's close to campus, what's close to our practice facility. Finally found an apartment, signed a lease and then went and moved all my stuff in there, then drove back up to South Dakota because I had all my stuff in my house from South Dakota in a garage stall, packed a U-Haul, drove back down to Arkansas with all my stuff and finally moved in in like August. Wow, that's a lot of, a lot of windshield time. Um, so then oh. as you, as you kind of get in that, that GA position, what's, you know, I, I, a lot of times you kind of have a niche or there's something that you kind of gravitate towards and so what uh what did you kind of quickly find as you know maybe a way for you to separate yourself or kind of you know find your groove a little bit yeah so Mus is he has plenty of projects you can never get bored in this office there's literally projects all day long every day long so uh i would help out with player development a lot i love working with guys and their shooting abilities because I was a shooter and then Muss is big into the social media I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of his tweets so then I mean I was very I I knew what was going on on Twitter and stuff like that and what was relevant so then I started helping him with his social media and that's how that was kind of my niche for a while and still is my niche is helping him with social media that's kind of exciting then to be able to, I mean, like, it, you know, you got to kind of have a niche and that's something that, yeah. um, you know, if you can separate yourself from the other GAs, uh, you know, you got to do it. And uh, obviously a lot of, a lot of moving parts. So you get to a program of that size. And so you got to have guys, you can't have everybody that does the same thing. Um, yeah. So, so then once, when, so when did you guys find out, uh, kind of rewind a little bit, take me on the timeline of, when you knew for sure that we were going to be playing basketball and have a season? Uh, we kind of knew, I want to say it was like the beginning or middle of September, I would say. Uh, there was a plenty of so many meetings that coach Muss and our athletic trainers and just the health departments, everyone's trying to figure out how we're going to do this thing. Because then hold on, finally, the SEC was playing football, right? Cause Right. Yeah. They started as a beginning. Yep. So they, cause I know, you know, like the big 10 was later and that year and some of that stuff. And so, yeah, so you guys were playing football. So you probably had to have a pretty good feeling that it was going to happen then. Yeah. So football was kind of their trial and error and they're seeing how we're going to be able to do this. So no one knew what was going to happen after football, after like, they just wanted to get through football and that was their biggest worries is let's, and then we started having fans at Arkansas for football games. So I would start going to football games and it'd be like, I mean, this, it holds 75,000. It'd probably be like 12,000 people there. That's I'm weird. like, this is just, this is so weird. I mean, I'm used to going to Kinnick stadium and there's 77,000 people there. Now I got 12,000 people in the SEC. It was so weird. Uh, yeah, that's gotta be, that's gotta be different. And so then once you guys do get going, well, and even practice, I mean, for some preseason stuff, I mean, what do you remember about protocols and just the testing and the rigors that come with all that? Uh, the protocols are, I mean, we had to get tested. Uh, I want to say two times a week we got tested. 
no one could be in our locker room or film room. All of their lockers were out on our practice facility. They, we had to tape off a little square for them to use, put their chair there. We all had to wear masks. Even if you were like, like if you were on the court on a scout team or something, you still had to wear a mask. So like you got this mask on, you're trying to run up and down the court. Like you're trying to yell at guys to get to these spots. And it was just, it was terrible. It was literally terrible. That's gotta be, that's gotta be difficult. And so then once, um, you know, once you kind of get adjusted and settled into what, what feels like a new normal with, I mean, you, you're, you're trying to adjust and adapt to a new position, a new state, a new community, a new level of basketball. And, oh yeah, by the way, a, a national pandemic on top of it. And so how, I mean, did it take a full year or when did you kind of start to have an opportunity to look around and be like, okay, this is cool. I'm a Razorback. Like I'm a part of this. Like, what do you, what do you remember? Cause that first six, 12 months had to be just a blur. It was, I didn't have that like pinch me moment until our first game at Bud Walton. Uh, cause I mean, that was them like, all right now, cause our pretty sure our first game was on like ESPN two. And then like afterwards, my mom and dad called me. Yeah, we saw you on TV, grandma, and grandpa, like all these texts saying, I'm seeing you on TV and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, I'm really at Arkansas. Like I'm in a power five school and like, this is kind of fun. Let's run with this a little bit. Yeah. That, uh, so then, so going through your first year, um, take me, take me on some of the highs, some of the highs and some of the lows that you remember that first season. Uh, the lows were the road trips because, well, like even that whole year, you couldn't like, you could go to our facility you could be at work all day and you'd have to go straight home. You couldn't go out to eat. You couldn't, you couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't go out and socialize. I couldn't because of COVID, everything was still closed. Uh, but that year, it was an awesome year. We had a tough stretch where I say we lost four out of five games and three of those games, I think were all 25 plus losses. We went to, we oh, at Alabama it was like a 35 point loss. At LSU, it was like a 30-point loss, and there was one other one. It was brutal. But then after that, I think we won 13, maybe 14 straight SEC games. And so this that, is, was, that was awesome. And so this would be – so this is the 20 season or the – yeah, the 20 season, right? 2021 season? Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, and um, in which that um, – because you guys will – yep, so 25 and 7 um was what you guys ended up that year and that was the elite eight loss to eventual champion baylor correct baylor yeah yeah um so so take me through the the ncaa tournament when you you get there i know that one that tournament was still a little weird that you didn't get the full ncaa tournament vibe yet um we'll get to what this last year was like for you but uh how sweet was the ncaa tournament for you i'm not gonna lie it was terrible the, it was because that's when uh, that was the bubble. Yep. So we went from the SEC tournament, which was in Nashville. And then if you were under a certain distance, you had to hop in a bus and drive to Indianapolis. So I remember we lost the very next morning. We packed up all of our stuff. We drove to Indianapolis. You got there. You left all your stuff in this little corner and you had to go immediately get tested. And then they separated your bags and everything. So we walked in, 
and no one has any like it's all locked down no one could get in no one could get out unless you were like let in it was nuts it was literally blocked off our hotel room. that's crazy uh, <laughs> it was so then i remember the first night we got tested i went up to my room we couldn't leave for 24 hours we could not leave our hotel room for 24 hours until we got tested again and we got tested it was like five times a week or something like that and then you actually had to do the test yourself so the nurse sat there and watched you and you would put up that little i don't even know what it was and you would put that up your nose and you're like sitting there in tears and you're like is this worth it uh during the week you got one day of yard time they called it i kid you not they called it yard time you could walk over to a minor league baseball park and walk around for 45 minutes sounds like, <laughs> sounds like prison uh, <laughs> literally they called it yard time we're like what are we doing here the meals were terrible you could order out like once a day uh but then after you made it into the sweet 16 then they moved you into hotels so there was like four or five hotels that were all connected to this convention center where the weight room was and where you practice you'd practice like in an assembly hall or something like that so you would walk to practice through these hotels you'd walk to the weight room through these hotels but you could only go near specific time like you couldn't wander around or anything uh and then we finally moved hotel rooms. The games, I mean, the games are fun because, right. I mean, they were kind of half full. The best one from my memory was the Texas Tech game. Uh, that game was awesome. I mean, they let a lot of people in there more than they should have, but it was awesome. The atmosphere was actually pretty cool. That's that's awesome. And so from from a GA position, as far as uh, as far as your duties, like what is what, you know, and let's stick with the NCAA tournament. So what does a day look like for you? Like, are you um, what are your responsibilities and what are you uh, having to kind of check off before before uh, the ball gets tipped up? Uh, as a GA, like we were big on player development, so we would we would necessarily get the guys warmed up. So we went through and did our initial warm up, but we, as GAs, we put them through the warm up. No coaches were out there, so we were out on the floor. We were running around. We were guarding them, putting them in actions, and getting them game shots where they would for the game. Cool. And then um, once once the game time comes, then uh, what is what was your responsibility uh, once the game started? Uh, I tracked my first year paint touches. I did. Every time the opposing team got in the paint and every time uh, we got into the paint. And then afterwards, our post-game report, I would see how many times we converted getting into the paint versus not getting into the paint. And the opposite team, how would how many times they converted and such as. That's cool. And then uh, uh, post-game. Kind of what is what's a little bit i mean do you guys all of a sudden i mean on a short short turn like that or you know are you guys helping with some of the scout or are you kind of making sure the players are getting where they need to be or what is what does post game look like for you uh post game it depends if you had uh so we break down we have three assistants and then we have eight gas here so each ga is paired up with an assistant coach we call those pods and then those gas help that assistant coach with their prep 
So I was with David Patrick uh, my freshman year. Well, not my freshman year, my first year down to Arkansas. So I helped him. I did a lot of the personnel for him uh, my entire first year on all of his preps. And then I would, once I got done with my personnel, I'd give it to him. He could make any edits he wanted to and then give it back to me. And we had to actually make the paper scout. Cool. Um, and so then after the Baylor game, uh, you know, you guys make it to the lead eight. Like you mentioned, that's just crazy. Everything that's going on um, again, kind of a little bit of coming out of nowhere. Uh, you know, I know you guys had played well, like I said, it was 25 and seven. Um, you know, maybe not a surprise to you guys or anybody in the SEC, but maybe nationally a little bit of a surprise to, to make your way to the Elite Eight um, and then lose to the eventual national champion in Baylor, um, who was obviously phenomenal, really, really solid team that year. Um, so good. What, uh, what was the feeling and the vibe afterwards? Was this something where you kind of remember feeling like, hey, we're going to be back? Or, uh, or what was, what was kind of the feeling after that game? Uh, the feeling was, it was unique because no one have ever made it to the Elite Eight, not even Coach Musselman. The farthest he ever made it to was the Sweet 16. So we were actually, I mean, we were down because we lost, yes, but a lot of people were like, okay, like, we did something here. We made it to Elite Eight. That's tough to do. Uh, so we were kind of excited after a couple of days, like, we're proud of the Elite Eight. Like, we made a good run at this thing. Yeah, I mean, it, you like I said, it had to have been something that you guys, as a staff and um, as a team, had to feel feel pretty good about. Obviously, we always want more. We're we're all competitors. We're all um, um, striving to get a little bit more. But that had to have been something you guys were were happy with. And so then, for you personally, what do you think um, was your biggest takeaway that that first year? What was you know something that maybe you felt like um you know you got better at or that you were able to put in your tool belt to to take down the career that you really learned that kind of opened your eyes in your first year in, in power five uh power five i would say that first year i became so much more vocal i learned to be vocal on the court and practice and just have high energy you you have to go in because the players are going to feed off of the coach you can go in any level of that. If the coach is just going through the motions, just reading out what we're going to do next, the players aren't going to buy into it. You have to go in there with energy, probably more than the players. And it's a lot of work. Like practices are tough. You have to be super energetic. You got to be running around at full speed, trying to get these guys going. So that was the biggest thing is being way more vocal and just have energy every single day, which was tough. Yeah, that's, I mean, like you said, it starts with the coach and it's top down. I mean, at any level, that's kind of how it always goes. And so then um, off season, is that something where you're spending a lot of times with the guys um, doing workouts and um, doing some of the, the professional or the personal development or how does that work? Yeah, uh, then the summer rolls around and then the transfers start rolling in probably a month later. So we got over transfers and then we get a one freshman and they all came in and then we started practice. I want to say maybe like May 27th already. So pretty much a month and a half and we're starting for the new season already. So then we're only allowed four hours in the court, uh, us coaches, and then four hours in the weight room. So you've got to practice four times a week for 
45 minutes pretty much. Um, that was only time, but then any extra shooting, like that's all go just as long as like an assistant coach or Muss isn't down there. So the biggest thing with us was player development. So I was up at 6 a.m. every day in the, summer, in the entire summer, all seven days. And I shot with the DC Tony and then one of our walk-ons, Kate Arbogast, and then Stanley Amude, who was my teammate at South Dakota. So I shot with them every single day, starting at like 6.15. Um, and so then starting to get closer, obviously school comes back, start, things starting to feel maybe a little bit more normal of what you would kind of envision um, college life and life in the SEC and football and all that fun stuff and so then as you guys start to prepare um for the following season uh what do you remember did were you more comfortable you talked about becoming a little bit more vocal vocal did it also come with that so a little bit more confidence and as far as what you were doing and kind of what you've learned or um going into that second season uh what do you remember kind of the excitement level and being prepared for uh i felt way more prepared because I started to understand Coach Musselman's system and what he wants from his players. I started knowing all the plays that he runs, where guys need to be. So then when it came practice time, when a player comes up to me, hey, where am I at on this action and our heat action? And I could literally point him out, go here, you're going to set a ball screen here, you're going to roll to the hoop, or you're going to do that. Like I felt way more comfortable because I started to know his system very well. And so that's got to make, you know, it's a little more comfortable for you. You don't feel like, you know, you're walking on eggshells as much. You're kind of picking things up. Um, I would imagine continuing to absorb as much as you can um, from the guys. You, do you Did you find yourself in, in, in this last year, uh, in your second year, taking on more responsibility? Is it something that you felt like your scouts got a little bit better as you kind of got more comfortable with it? Um, you know, what do you remember as far as kind of being a sponge through that process? Uh, yeah. So my scout, uh, my prep work got way better. I dove into stuff. I would have never even would have thought about my freshman year or my first year. I keep saying that I would start looking at the last four minutes of a game of say, we put, we played Northern Iowa and that was one of my preps. Uh, I helped with coach smart. So I would look at everything. I watched the last two years of Northern Iowa, the last four minutes of the game. And I would understand, okay, this is what Ben Jacobson does. This is what he likes to go to. He likes to go to AJ Green coming off a pin down DHO off a baseline out of bounds and stuff like that. So I started to notice those tendencies. And then, I mean, they hit 17 threes versus us. So my prep might've been not that great, but then I knew when it got close, what they were starting, what they would do. Cause I'd be prepared for that type of situation. My fresh or my first year, I would have never thought about that stuff. Well, I'm glad you brought the UNI game up because I was going to mention it, especially for Adam. And Adam's not here to defend himself. Um, but uh, yeah, you guys rolled off a, a good 13 point uh, win. But uh, as you mentioned, probably 93 is not exactly what you guys are hoping to give up um, to, to you and I at home. Um, but uh, you mentioned in, in that scout. So, so how much pride do you guys take in, in as far as like how the guys execute? based off of your scout is that something where you're like man you know i the the scout was there they didn't execute or is it sometimes it's both where you're like okay i probably could have been a little bit 
better or more prepared or obviously we know how this game works. I mean, someone comes in off the bench and, you know, that you have little to no tape on and, and pours in, you know, four or five three pointers. It's hard to it's hard to prepare for that, too. But what do you guys how do you how do you guys kind of um, take pride in pride in those scouts? I mean, as us coaches, like we always say, OK, we could have done this better, this better. And I mean, we do that with every single game. We do a post game report on literally all 35 games of what we could have done better. So we take we take the blame. We cuz we didn't we say as coaches we didn't prepare the players enough. So we don't put it on the players, we put it on us coaches. We take that pressure on here at Arkansas. And that's cool. I mean that's that's you know honestly the old adage of um you know, if you win, it's on the players. And if you win, it's on, or if you lose, it's on the coaches. And so it, it just kind of keeps, um, it keeps things moving. And usually the maturity of those, the differences between player and coaches is why that works. Uh, coaches seem to be able to handle that a little bit, uh, a little bit better. And so, so fast forwarding um, through this last season, again, a nice run, you know, you guys went 13 and five in conference, 28, 28, nine overall. Um, 17 and one at home. Uh, who'd you lose to at home? Do you remember? That's gotta be, uh, it would have been Vanderbilt. We lost to Vanderbilt. Oh, Scotty wow. Pippen Jr. Okay. Yeah. Oh, close one. Scotty Pippen. The actual Scotty Pippen was sitting courtside. Was he? Know? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's yeah, not... he was actually sitting courtside. That has to be something you guys probably take pride in, right? The the defend home court. And, I mean, seventeen and one, and um, you know, dropping one, a one by one point. It's got to be something that you guys feel feel pretty good about. Um, but so moving through the year, one other game before we get back into the NCAA tournament and now get a real taste of the NCAA tournament. What in the world happened in the SEC tournament that that Texas A and M game? What do you remember about that? Texas. Uh, Oh, wow. Texas A&M was playing the best basketball in college basketball at that time. They deserved to be in the NCAA tournament because they were just so hot. If you go look, I think they won their last six games of the regular season and they were against good teams. And then they just rolled through the SEC tournament. And we were kind of shocked as a staff how they didn't get in. But I mean, we had eight teams, maybe seven teams in the tournament already. So they were that game was brutal. We had no shot from the tip. I was, I don't remember. I mean, now that you bring that up, I remember Texas A&M being on the bubble and making that run. Um, I just going back through your guys's um, schedule and I saw that 82, 64 loss. I was like, Oh geez. Like that's, that's you know, it's one thing to, to lose a close one, but um and then, and then to get to the NCAA tournament, obviously you guys, like you said, you know, that you're in, um, and, uh, you know, things are, things are going pretty well, but, uh, what do you remember about that first round matchup with Vermont? Um, it ended up being a close four point game. Um, do you, you get in the whispers of the, the, so it would have been the fourth or the four thirteen upset. Was that something that uh, you guys had heard about yeah. or what? <laughs> so one of my things that I did, uh, I watched everyone, Charles Barkley, I watched all these guys give all their predictions and coach Musselman, every time that we like were predicted to lose to Vermont, we would clip it and we had this long video and we would show our guys, Vermont's going to beat Arkansas, Vermont's going to be, and they, our guys literally watch this stuff 
And I mean, that was just to give them some extra motivation. Like this is not going to happen. We're going to win. We're going to beat these guys. And so that was, I remember that uh, they had a good guard in Ben Shengu and then their post, he was a stretch five and he just shot the ball really well. And so you always have, it feels like the first game, there's such a feeling out process, um, you know, going through kind of the whole travel and the NCAA tournament and just kind of the whirlwind that is March um, for these kids and these programs. And so you always, it's the survive in advance, especially in that first round. Um, so how, how different is the NCAA tournament? How different is the experience for you, the staff and the players, um, you know, now post COVID uh, getting to be a little bit more normal? It was, it was the best experience I've ever had this past year was because, I mean, when we went out for our first game in Buffalo, we're in Buffalo, like, and it was, that arena was filled with people and no one had any, we had our little section of maybe 250 people, but there was probably 15,000 people from Buffalo just being there and like cheering for people. And that was a really cool experience just to go to a random city and you get escorted everywhere you go. So we would go out to eat and you would have eight cops that would like bring you to your restaurant and like do all this maneuvering around the street, stopping traffic. And you're just a bus and you're just flying through and everyone's like looking at you and taking pictures. It was cool. That, uh, yeah, that's neat. And so then second round, um, you guys match up with New Mexico state, um, and, former or podcast guest of ours in Iowa and uh, coach Jans. Um, so that was, uh, had been kind of a, kind of a neat experience to get a couple of Iowa boys on the floor. It's always fun. And that was uh, a little bit of a grind fest too. You guys got a, a nice win 53, 48. Um, what do you remember about that second round win? That game was an absolute war. Coach Jans prepared that team so well. They were a gritty team that, you knew you weren't going to punk them because they were going to punk you right back. They were strong mentally and physically. Like that was a really cool team to play against because they were, they had one guy, Teddy Allen. Uh, he played at Nebraska uh, and he was really good. He was their star player. Cause I want to stay versus UConn. He might've had 35 or something like that in the first round game. So everyone's like, who's this Teddy Allen guy. Uh, but that was, that was a cool matchup because of how tough, mentally and physically Chris Jans had that team yeah he had coach uh coach is a good one it'll be interested to see what happens at Ole Miss now um okay so then uh then you get the number one seed um and many's favorite in in Gonzaga um take me through that take me through that experience and um that battle that battle with the Bulldogs uh so we did the exact same thing. We did it for all of this. We would clip every single time that Gonzaga was projected to beat Arkansas. Like anything we found on Twitter, Instagram, ESPN, NBA, TNT, whatever we found, we would like put it in this video to give motivation. We said, we got to be the tougher team and we got to get all the loose balls. We have to get we have to make all the hustle plays. We have to make the multiple efforts. We have to play a perfect game, a perfect game to beat these guys. And we give the guys the credit. They came out and they executed. It was awesome. Yeah, guys played uh, Guys played really well. That was a fun game to watch. I mean, just talk about imposing your will defensively um, in that game and just 
making them uncomfortable um, from the get-go and um, but then making enough shots down the stretch to be able to, to hold on and win that game. Um, so through this craziness or madness, if we will, because this is March Madness, are you, so are you on, on, on Coach's Twitter? Are you helping them out? Um, what, is it, what does it look like with all, all this stuff going on? Is that something where you're still involved with that, or, or, or how does that look? Yeah, and his phone after a game just blows up of interactions, and right away he'll come back to the uh, coach's locker room and say, like, all right, we got to tweet. We got to put something out there. And he said to me that this is how you build a brand is because everyone's on their phones right now at this time. And everyone's swiping up, seeing who won the other games, looking at highlights. And then you go put out a tweet. Everyone's going to interact with that. And that's how you build your brand is like you tweet at good moments and you post good content. And so that was a big thing is after a win, he would have to, we'd, he would ask literally 10 guys, and be like, all right, I need options, 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 and we're going to use the best one to tweet out in five minutes. That's that's awesome. Well, and and just the way that coach is, and you know his fire and his energy and his um, camera time that he gets during a game. I mean, his mentions and his ads have to be just crazy after a game. I mean, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, it's got to be wild. Through the roof, through the roof. Oh man, I bet. I mean, I it's to be able to go through and like read some of those um, and just kind of, you take a, a, probably 98% of them with a grain of salt has to be kind of funny uh, to be able to just oh, yeah. see, see what's going on. Um, but okay. So then, uh, so then you get the matchup, uh, make it to the lead eight again. I mean, you guys are starting to uh, starting to have a theme here where we're uh, Razorbacks are going to the lead eight and get that matchup with Duke um obviously super talented team um in the in the blue devils and so uh uh just walk me through that one a little bit what do you what do you remember about that matchup with duke uh we went into that game uh <laughs> saying that we have a shot to beat these guys as well we could literally make it to the four, 40 minutes from the final four that is a dream come true for anybody in this room is what we were saying I mean, why not us? Let's go make this happen. We're right here. We have another opportunity. Like, it's Coach K's final year, and let's just go do this thing. And everyone was pretty motivated and amped up just because you're 40 minutes away from the Final Four again. Yeah, and so then you guys, you guys get out there. Um, and what do you remember as far as uh, some adjustments or something that had to be made? Uh, you know, because because defensively, you know, you guys were you're stringing together some stops, but obviously they have the the firepower to be able to kind of get a bucket when they need it. Um, I'm trying to trying to remember here as I'm kind of talking through it. But what do you remember in the second half of? of being like, okay, let's go. Like, was, was there a moment where you thought maybe you could be able to go and catch him? We all thought, yeah, but we could just never get over that hump. I want to say it was right around seven points. It was right that we could never get over that hump of being down seven. We would get like two or three stops, but then we'd go down this other end on the offensive end and we couldn't get a bucket and we could just never get over that seven point hump and we thought if we could and get this down to a five point game with i don't three minutes left yeah. you're gonna have a shot to do it yeah no that uh that was a that was 
a good matchup, a fun game to watch as well. Um, you know, similar feelings I would imagine at the end. Uh, you know, you guys always want more, but have to feel feel happy with the run in the season that you guys had. And so but it kind of brings us up here uh, to current date. So what's uh, how's the summer been for you guys? And then uh, what, what are you excited about for this upcoming year? Uh, summer's been great so far. We started uh, about a month and a half ago, about that first week in June, classes started. So we've been going four days a week and practicing and the athleticism for this team we're saying is better than Muss's teams that he's ever had at Arkansas. Okay. Like the athleticism one through, I mean, we have a team where we have 13 guys that could play in a power five, power five school. They could play minutes for a power five school, which is crazy to think about because our practices, they're very competitive. They're very fast paced. And I mean, you got to pay attention to detail has to be high, especially since we have so many new faces. We have 11 new faces on this team. And then you have our two walk-ons and two returners. So 11 people trying to get them bought into our culture, get them up to speed on how we do things here at Arkansas. It's a challenge. Yeah, that's always got that's always got to be hard. I mean, everyone's dealing with a you know a similar version of that with transfer portal and like with everything going on. But like getting people up to speed, like you said, I mean, there's an onboarding process of you know one getting acclimated, but two catching up on terminology. You know, obviously three building relationships with these guys, and then oh by the way, now we got to go out and win some basketball games in the SEC. And so it feels like a huge, a huge uphill battle for you guys, but obviously one that, uh, you know, must and that staff down there has continued to um, have success with and continue to uh, do great things and excited, uh, excited to see what this year brings for you guys. And we'll definitely be following along. Um, so, so now you're, you're two years into this. How, what, what changes, I guess, this is my next question. What changes, um, for you going from, uh, GA to the ops position? So I still do a lot of what I normally did as a GA, but the only thing I'm not allowed to be on the court, uh, because of the rules, I'm not allowed to be on the court at practice. I just can stand off on the side and watch pretty much I can't be for player development in the summer when our guys are shooting I can't be down there on them which kind of stinks because I was big into player development and working with guys shots so that's the biggest challenge is not being on the floor it's a tough it's tough yeah that's that's always and I you know I most of the people that listen to the podcast probably understand the roles and how that position works with the with the operations and um, some of those positions and how that works. But to, for the common people to be like, yeah, you, you, you go from interacting and, and rebounding and doing summer workouts. And like you mentioned, you know, an entire summer getting up at six fifteen, And now all of a sudden, like you can't be on the court. You've, you've, you've continued to learn and you know the system and probably feel even better about the system. Um, and now the, the promotion pulls you off the court. It has to be a little weird. And I'm sure something that, you know, you're hitting mid-December, you're going to be like, oh man, like I want to get out there and mix it up so bad. Yeah. So, I mean, even now I just sit at practice and normally like I would run on the floor as a GA and be like, you got to get to this spot, you get to this spot, and then you're going to come off this pin down. You're going to hit this shot. 
And now I'm like standing on the side, like I can't even like say anything really. So now this guy is out there and we have other GAs, we have new GAs and we have new staff members that don't know coach Musselman's system. There's only about five of us that have worked with coach Muss more than like two or three years. So it's tough not getting these guys up to speed because I can go out there and run any play that Musk would want right now. Yeah. I think you'll probably find yourself, uh, find yourself coaching the other GAs um, real quickly is probably what you'll end up, uh, what you'll end up doing and getting those guys up to speed. Yeah. But each step in each process is obviously a learning experience. And it's something that, uh, um, you know, you'll learn and grow from too. But uh, before we get to rapid fire here and get you out of here, coach, um, what, what do you think? So now the biggest takeaway or maybe lesson that you've learned or advice that you could give, um, you know, to our listeners that, you know, maybe specifically a young coach that uh, is trying to come up uh, and, and wants to go down this coaching path. What's something that, uh, you know, in, early on here in your short career so far that you've, you've learned that you'd like to give for, for advice? Uh, my advice would be to try and connect with anybody and everybody uh, learn from other coaches, learn from your players, learn from managers, because everyone has a different experience in how they got to where they're at. Uh, you never know what connection you might, you never know where that person's going to be in two years. Like you look at me, I was in South Dakota in 2020, and now I'm a full-time staff member at Arkansas. If you would have asked anybody at South Dakota, there's like, no, there's no way he's going to be at Arkansas. You have no idea where people are going to end up. Um, uh, you also need to find a niche, uh, be multi-talented, be able to do multiple things in the office, on the court, in the community, everywhere, like help guys out in any way you can be around. Uh, also your availability. Just, I remember you can ask my mom and dad. I think I went back up to Iowa. I've been up there once this entire summer. Last summer, I think I went up there two times maybe so I was just here in the office every single day I would never leave until the head coach leaves or even a couple of the assistants and make sure they're done with their work in case anything comes up last minute and they need someone to help on I mean if there's no one around there's no one around and they need help but then if you're around every single time they're going to tend to come to you because you're they know you're going to be around they know you're going to be able to help them with that situation with whatever it is so just have availability, connect with people and be able to do multiple things. I like it. That, uh, that bodes well in, in the world of coaching or, um, really any profession. And so that's really good advice. Um, thanks for that. And with that, let's, before I get you out of here, man, we gotta, we gotta do some rapid fire. So I'm going to shoot some questions at you. Right. Um, you just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Um, and we'll go, we'll go through these here fairly quickly. Um, first one, Favorite visiting gym or arena you've had the opportunity uh, to be in? Tennessee. Tennessee Volunteers. Okay. It is an NBA arena. It's like, I don't know if it's brand new, probably less than six years maybe. And when we went there this year, there was 20,000 people on that. It was brand new. They had all the stripes, the orange and white. That place is rock. That is my favorite arena in this and college basketball. That's my favorite arena. It was so cool. Wow. That's awesome. I, I like that answer because I, I thought for sure maybe rump might, uh, might come up, but, uh, I like that you said something different. Rump is actually like worn down. It's like old. So 
And it's just a weird crowd there. Like when we played there, it was just like your older crowd. So like there weren't obnoxious like Tennessee or Florida was. So Tennessee is my answer. Yeah, Florida would be cool too. Now you say that too, that would be a fun one. Um, do you have a game day routine or superstition or something that you have to do on game day? Uh, I like to get my shots up. I'm not going to lie. I'll shoot my 100 threes at the top of the key. That's why I do that every single game day. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. Good deal. Um, favorite basketball shoe? Ooh. Let's go with the Kyrie twos. Oh, yeah. That's a good shoe. The Kyrie twos, yeah. They were a good shoe. I like them. I those, have a couple pairs of those. Those are, it's like, sneaky comfortable, too. Um, they were. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I like the I like the twos. That's a good choice in the Kyrie line there. Um, favorite sports movie? Glory Road. Good one, like that. Um, all time starting five. Wow, who's your all time starting five? All right, I gotta go Jordan. Yep. I'm gonna go Shaq at the five. Okay. I'm going to go LeBron at the four. Larry Bird at the three. And then I need a point guard. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. A prime D Rose, I have to throw in at the one. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Before Dude. the injuries, he was my guy. Prime, prime D Rose was a problem. Like that dude, yeah. obviously what youngest MVP ever. And so, um, yeah, that dude, that dude was a problem. Um, all right. Uh, three more. I'll get you out of here. Who, who should we have on the podcast next? And before and while you're thinking about it, um, bonus points, if it's someone that you can assist with helping us get on the podcast, but who, who, who should we have? And I know you may not know the entire list of who we've had on here, but who do you think? Who would be a good one? Uh, I'll give you another Iowa guy. He's an assistant coach at South Dakota from Carroll, Casey Casperbauer. Perfect. He played division one basketball at South Dakota and then played overseas, came back, was the Dobo for south dakota and then moved to assistant coach at south dakota i could send you a contact and stuff perfect love that we'll uh we'll take that and run with that um okay two more best best place to eat in fayetteville so if adam and i get an opportunity to come down and take in the game where do we got to go uh where do we got to go to grab a bite to eat before we head to the stadium i'll take you to cheers at the opo the opo is the old post office is what they call it but cheers at the opo when you get you guys gotta come down and I'll take you to Cheers at the Opo. Cheers at the Opo. So what do we got? What what kind of food are we looking at? I mean, they're they got steaks, their shrimp dinner is really good. Uh grilled shrimp and then they got mashed potatoes. They got everything's really good. Uh I actually went there last night with three other coaches. So we go there probably every weekend or every two weekends. Oh, okay. We can do We can do some cheers at the Opo. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> um, all right. Last one, coach, we'll get you out of here, but uh, what's the best thing about having the opportunity to be a Razorback? Being involved with the Razorback. I mean, 
you're coaching for a professional team here. For the state of Arkansas, the Arkansas Razorbacks, the university, that's their professional team. They put, they're dedicated to the sport, to the players, to the coaching staff, because that's all they care about. So it's a cool experience because, I mean, I go out in the community and people know who you are. Even as a GA, like I would go out in the community, people know who you are because the Arkansas Razorbacks is their professional team because there's none here. So just being able to be around the Arkansas Razorback Nation and it's, it's a cool experience. Well, that's great, Coach. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and sharing the story. Uh, we're going to be following along with your journey, uh, not only while uh, you're there with the Razorbacks, but uh, as you continue to move up the ranks. Uh, we're excited for you, and, and congratulations on the promotion. Good luck this year, and uh, thanks again for taking some time with us. Hey, thank you so much. It was awesome to be on, and hopefully we'll see you guys down here at Bud Walton Arena for a game. Hey, let's do it.